Amen. Thank you, worship team. And, uh, you know, last week I was watching the video, just kind of see how intro and what I needed to prepare. And really, Roger, I'm going to have you stay right here. <clears throat> Come here. Uh, last week I noticed Roger was getting things adjusted and ready for the sermon uh, each morning. And uh, I want to tell you, church family, the message this morning we're going to be talking about is our God is a missionary God. And uh, I saw Roger on this video last week, and I thought, you know, I'm going to embarrass him, and I'm going to ask him to stay up. Roger and his team, AV team, up here have been instrumental in continuing to allow us to uh, stay broadcast during our pandemic when we were at home and all of that. And uh, Roger, I just want to tell you and, and uh, your team up there, David Weir and Andy Marks and Keith Locker, all those guys up there, thank you for how you guys have humbly served and, and uh, just continue to allow us to be able to broadcast the message. And yesterday afternoon, I received a call that said, I've been watching your uh, services online, and it had some questions and all of that. And so I just want to tell you thanks. Thanks for how you humbly serve. And uh, church family, I'm just, I'm thankful for Roger and, and uh, countless people around our church family. I look out here and I see Pat. Uh, uh, I may run into that Roger, so I'm going to move it. Sorry. <laughs> I hate to question Roger now that I just told him. Um, and uh, uh, I see Pat uh, out here, and, and one of the things that I'm reminded of is uh, every Thursday, uh, Pat comes up and works in our small barn and takes care of our flower beds and all of that. And I want to let you know, church family, that in the last, I would say, Six years, however long you've been doing this, maybe not that long, but we've not had to do a work day uh, on our campus uh, because of everything that Pat does just on Thursdays. And so I'm, I'm reminded of how people serve. I had a friend yesterday tell me, uh, who's another huge servant at our church, said, uh, Jim, I, there's no way I could get up front and share anything uh, with her microphone, but I will do this all day long. And uh, so I'm just thankful that we at Emmaus are surrounded by folks that when we talk about being on mission, how God uses you here, and I think, Pat, when I think about you um, uh, coming up and, and doing that on Thursdays and us not having to do a work day, what that has allowed us to do is it has allowed us to be able to focus outside of these walls. And uh, when we do service projects, we're not tinkering with things here at the, at, at the campus. We're, we're able to go and, and immediately be out into our community. Uh, this morning, I want to invite you to turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 1-8. And uh, as I get there, uh, as you get there, this is uh, where we're going to start this morning. Um, and I, there we go. As we get there, I want to uh, share a, a story. This last month, uh, at the end of uh, May, I'd heard uh, one of our weather, weathermen say, say that uh, we have gone through the month without tornadoes and, and uh, all of that, and uh, I thought, well, oh, that's an interesting fact, and uh, was thankful for it with everything else that had been, that 2020 has brought us and, and all of that, and don't you love God's uh, uh, sense of humor? I, I, I think about uh, that we've been having all these discussions of whether we should wear face mask or not, and then he sends the Sahara Desert through the jet stream uh, for us to, uh, uh, to prepare us for it. And I love uh, that, uh, um, uh, his humor in that. I'm, I like to look at it that way. I know that some people are going to argue about that, but uh, I'm thankful for that. But one of the things that this, uh, when I heard about this weather man saying this about here, uh, we were called at the church office by the Washington Post. And uh, they wanted to interview us. Uh, and, the question, and, the, and the story was related to that more, our area had not had tornadoes during the month of May. There was no, 
nothing significant uh, that took place during the month of May. Uh, now, we had some strong winds that, you know, tumbled charcoal grills and all that, and that's just a regular Tuesday in Oklahoma. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, we've had some of those things happen. But he started asking questions. And, uh, uh, by the way, the interview wasn't good enough because they didn't print it. But uh, uh, as he asked questions, one of the questions was, related to uh, shelters, and he started asking about our community, and he had just taken an interest in more through the years, specifically since the 2013 tornado, and uh, had just watched how uh, our community has rebuilt and done all of these things, and I just told him, I said, you know, I think that is a, a, just a, a compliment to our, our community as a whole. Uh, you think about our home builders, uh, our uh, local schools, uh, uh, our, our faith, our churches, everybody pitching in to see that happen. And, uh, and then we talked about uh, uh, storm shelters. And I said, you know, I never had a storm shelter before 2013, but I made it uh, a very much a part of my storyline that I was going to get a storm shelter after 2013. Our family would, uh, you know, we had neighbors that had storm shelters. And here's what would happen. And I think any one of you could relate to this. Uh, that uh, the storm's getting close enough, and by close enough on Oklahoma standards means you can see it, and uh, uh, that uh, we would see it and think, well, we better get to shelter, and uh, by the time you walk out front, you know, their families, their relatives, their families, relatives, relatives are there at their home, and you're thinking, well, I'm not going to be able to make it into that shelter, so we'll take off, and we'll go somewhere, and I've brought my family up, and we've hid under the stadium seating, under the coffee bar, and I've sent text out. If you've looking for our bodies. We're behind the coffee bar, uh, stuff like that. And, and uh, we, 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 we are professionals when it comes to seeking shelter. And uh, church family, I, I'm uh, reminded of this uh, as what, what would constitute us being professionals. I think another thing that happened just uh, in the last two weeks is we had a national disaster relief organization that contacted us and said, hey, we want to put a disaster relief vehicle uh, and park it at your property so that we could respond to disasters quickly. And then if there's a disaster within eight hours of you, we'd love for you to be able to help us to get that transported there to be able to do that. And, uh, and I laugh, I thought, well, I guess we are a little bit of experts if they're calling us and they wanna put it in the midst of this. And uh, I find that we're experts at seeking shelter. Uh, and my prayer has been as we uh, start to come back, uh, and this is all churches, everybody is, is we're trying to figure this out of, of when, when's the best time to come back. And you watch the numbers going up with uh, the coronavirus and, and all of that. Uh, uh, we want to be safe. We want to do things well. But as we come back, here's my prayer, is that we wouldn't find ourselves wanting to go back to the things that we've always done. That we wouldn't want to find ourselves going back and sheltering in place to a safe place that we are protected from the outside world, that we're protected from the things that are going on. And 2020 has brought its share of, of uh, difficulties, of news stories, of all the things that are happening. Uh, it's, it's brought it uh, uh, to light. And, and here's the other thing I'm reminded of. Not only are we experts at seeking shelter, uh, but also, I was reminded this week, I sat with a family for, we talked for two and a half hours, and we were preparing for the grandfather's funeral, and that was my phone going off. That is great. Uh, <clears throat> so, mind you, might silence your phones and all of that. All right. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> uh, now where was I? Okay, so, uh, we, not only are we experts at seeking shelter, but we're also experts as, as to uh, coming out of shelter. 
And uh, as I was sitting with his family, we all agreed that it's important that you know when there's a severe weather day, what's one of the most important things you're going to do? You're going to make sure you're wearing the right kind of shoes. Uh, that you're not going to be wearing flip-flops or, or soft-soled shoes. You're going to wear hard-soled shoes so that when you come out of that storm shelter, whatever the world presents to us, we're going to be able to take on. And so not only am I talking to experts at, in seeking shelter, but I'm also talking to experts in how is it that we come out and we start to engage uh, our, uh, our surroundings. And I want to just remind us here in Acts uh, and in fact, I'm going to read uh, verses 6 through 8 this morning. And this morning, our title of our sermon is that God is a missionary God. And as I pray for us of not seeking shelter, not uh, uh, seeking to be um, sheltered from the world, that God has called us to engage. In fact, I'll say this. You know the last song that we sang, uh, God of this city. You know when uh, I remember us first singing that in this building was our first day in this building. When we dedicated this building and for the purposes of that God would use us as a called people in this community to reach our city. And that, that message has not changed. That proclamation has not changed. That calling has not changed. And we're reminded here in Acts chapter 1 verses 6 through 8. It says, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The book of Acts begins with when the, the Holy Spirit came. They received power, and immediately they became, what was it they became? They became witnesses declaring the wonderful works of who God is. They began, where was it that they began? They began right there in Jerusalem. And then the book of Acts moves them from Jerusalem to Judea, and then to Samaria, and then we see them finally where they would end up in the capital city of Rome. And that's, that's really the outline of the book of Acts that gives us there in, in the 8th verse. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It begins right there, and it sweeps clear through the end of uh, the book of Acts. The book of Acts, I love it. I love to read it. I love to study it. And the purpose of, of the book, as Luke states here, is to show us that the story of Christianity, God's Word, uh, the Gospel, being proclaimed and empowered and energized by the Holy Spirit throughout the world by believers. And so the book of Acts covers about a 30-year period and where the Church of Christ, Christ... Uh, 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 where the church was born and it, and it went out from Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth. And so the book ends with Paul in Rome and Paul's in prison. And in fact, I want to, you don't have to turn over your Bibles, uh, but Philippians 1, verses 12 through 14, and we're going to have these verses on the screen and, and uh, you can uh, flip over there. But uh, I want us to look at, so the, the end of Acts ends with Paul in prison in Rome. And these are word, Paul's words in Philippians chapter 1. Here he is as a prisoner. He's in chains. And he says this, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, have become, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. 
Now, I don't know about you, but your little title there on the, uh, at the top of that uh, section of Scripture, right above verse 12, some of you may have advance, uh, the word advance right there, uh, in, in some form, in a, a short sentence, advancing the gospel. And here's what's interesting about this. So the book of Acts ends with Paul in Rome, and you see the spread of God's word, the gospel being proclaimed to the ends of the earth. And here uh, in Philippians 1, you see Paul in prison. And these are the first words that Paul says. He says, I want you to know, brothers, not the first words, but he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Church family, whatever circumstances may come our way, whatever 2020 may present us, uh, whatever circumstances have happened, and I've heard uh, of things that uh, have gone on as we have had to um, uh, shelter in place and all of those things. Uh, I've heard people dealing with loneliness. I've heard people uh, dealing with uh, Lance um, uh, Lang from Hope is Alive Ministries got on a video this week and just shared the brokenness of some of the residents, uh, some of the people that have come through their program and, and falling victim to just uh, depression and, and uh, uh, tragedies that have happened with those that they know in their circle of influence. And, and to know the difficult things that have taken place. And I want to remind us, and I heard this several times, that uh, 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 of how this pandemic has affected people's health, that they couldn't get into smaller surgeries, elective surgeries, and all of that. And I want to remind us, and, and here as believers, when we talk about advancing the gospel, whatever it is, and Paul here is in chains as a prisoner, he says, uh, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. And then his next verse here, he says, so that it may become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. He's sharing the gospel with those who are holding him captive. And in fact, later on in this passage, it even speaks of some of the household of one of the, uh, of, uh, one of the uh, uh, guards, of, uh, speaking of that, in Cornelius. And Paul is in chains, he's in prison, he's under control of the guard. His imprisonment is still meant to advance the gospel. Whatever comes our way, we know this, and we can take Paul's example of that. But, but another thing that I want to remind us of, we see what took place this taking place 30 years after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. All of this leading up to this time. But from the very beginning of Scripture, when we look at God's Word as a whole, from the very beginning of Scripture, we see this advancement. We see this sending language all throughout Scripture. Beginning up until Genesis chapter 12 to Revelation chapter 22, there are literally hundreds of examples of sending language that portray God as a missionary, as a sending God. All of these advancing the gospel. And throughout the Old Testament, God is presented as a sovereign Lord who sends in order to express and complete His mission of redemption. We see this sending language all throughout Scripture. And in other words, it's God who commissions and it's God who sends. Probably one of the most dramatic illustrations of sending in the Old Testament we can find in Isaiah chapter 6. And we catch a glimpse of uh, God's sending nature and, uh, and in fact, talking about it as, as uh, three in one, uh, God, uh, Christ, the Holy Spirit. In uh, Isaiah chapter 6, 8, it says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? That word, us, that Trinitarian language there. Then I said, Here am I, send me. 
And then later in the book of Isaiah, there's this incredible passage where Isaiah recognizes that it's God's Spirit who's anointed him to proclaim the good news to the poor and that he sent up the, to bind up the brokenhearted. And it's interesting to look at this. There are no fewer than six acts of redemption that uh, come from this. And in uh, Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 3, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the, Lord, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And you know what? In this Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 3, that very passage Jesus uses and uh, uh, claims and shows that he is the human fulfillment of what Isaiah talks about in Isaiah chapter 61. If you turn over your Bibles to Luke chapter 4, in verses 16 through 21, here it is. He, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as uh, was the custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up and he read. And verse 17 says, And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He enrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. And here's where he quotes from Isaiah chapter 6. This is Jesus quoting Isaiah chapter 6. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So we see this language of sending all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. And Jesus quotes it there in the book of Luke, quotes what Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 61. And, and as Jesus reads this, he's saying this is now uh, in front of you. And church family, I want to share with you, John 17, 18 says this, As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. God is a missionary God. And what is the, the purpose of the church? We are a missionary church. As God, has sent, uh, as God has been sent, He also sends us. Now, I think sometimes our uh, discussions and language can be that we're looking for people from here to send out. And I want to tell you, that's a, that's a, a wrong way of thinking. Because here's the truth of what Scripture teaches, is that God sent Christ, and Christ has sent us, the church, into the world. There's not any one of us that are exempt from the mission of God. And he's called all of us as missionaries into Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. We see that language uh, there. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. We are still a part of that calling. And so John, as he shares that, and then in John chapter 20, verses 19 through 22, on an evening of that day, the first day of the week, the Lord, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, 
Peace be with you, and as the Father has sent me, even I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. So we see this sending language all throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament, that God is a missionary God, and not only that, that He has called us. He is sending us out to a lost and dying world. And we have that framework of Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that gives us the framework, just like He did for all of the book of Acts, that still holds true today for you and me, that He has sent us out, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And we can simply look at the great commission that we read about in, at the end of Matthew, that it is simply this, as you are going, we are called, we are sent. And so church family, I want to just encourage us today. I'm thankful for our church family, and I'm thankful for your vision for our, our, our community and reaching out to our community. I love to see, and when I look just immediately around us, I love to see how we use our facilities to, to be able to minister to those around us. I, I uh, was asked to go to, uh, up to a, a place in northeastern Oklahoma to a church to do a consulting, uh, looking at their Sunday school space and small groups and all of that. And so we, we walk around this building, and I'll never forget, we get to this, we were up in the children's area, and uh, the children were in these small rooms, and then there was this huge room in the middle of all these children's classes, and it had one table and six chairs around it. Nothing on the walls, nothing that would indicate that this was children's space. And I asked the pastor, I said, what is this room used for? And he said, these are uh, six of our ladies who do not want to be moved from this space. And so here I am looking at it and thinking, okay, I don't know who the ladies are, but I'm looking at this space, and this is incredible space to be able to use for kids to be able to learn the gospel and all of that. I'm thankful that we don't have any of that at Emmaus, and uh, I'm thankful for you and how you look at all of our facilities of us being able to use to be able to proclaim the gospel, for us to be able to, to learn and to be able to do those things. In fact, uh, today we have some guests with us that are with the uh, Oklahoma City Ambassadors, and I'm going to call, a couple of them are going to come up, and uh, I'm going to ask them some questions and uh, all of that, but uh, Jim Schrader, where's Jim? I saw Jim all ago. Jim uh, serves on the board of directors for uh, A Life Worth Following, the Ambassadors Baseball Organization. So I love even to see how our folks are engaged uh, with this. And uh, guys, I'm going to have you come up here. Um, we are going to be doing a baseball camp July the, the uh, 9th and 10th. I'm going to make sure this is on. Okay, this is on. Uh, July the 9th and 10th, we're going to do a baseball camp. And the Oklahoma City Ambassadors lead this baseball camp. And we've been doing this now, I think this will be, I think, our 12th year in doing that. And uh, last year, we opened up our sign-ups. Uh, we'll open them up on Monday uh, for us. Uh, but uh, last year, I think we had 198 signed up within, like, uh, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. It was a short time frame that we had all these kids sign up to be a part of this uh, baseball clinic. So I'm so proud of uh, these guys and the ministry that they're doing. But they are basically, they're paying uh, to play <laughs> this summer, okay? So uh, they're not getting paid to play or anything like that. They're paying uh, money, and uh, they are going out, and uh, they play in all air-conditioned fields and all of that, right? Okay, no, you don't. Um, and thankfully, I read in Ohio that playing baseball, you have to wear a mask. Uh, so the catcher, uh, the batter, the umpire all have to wear a mask, and then when they get to second base, they can take it off. That's, that's what I heard in Ohio, so I'm glad you're not playing baseball in Ohio. But you guys, tell us a little bit about 
the ambassador baseball program, and specifically, um, Justin Sullivan is a, a young man who this organiza- organization started out of with him and his pastor, Chris Wall. So. Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, my name is Karsten Cates. I'm the pitching coach and team chaplain for the ambassadors. And so uh, why we exist as an organization is that we play in honor of a young man named Justin David Sullivan. Uh, he is out of uh, Yukon High School, and in 2002, on June 2nd, he was named Oklahoma Baseball Player of the Year. He was a wonderful baseball player, uh, a wonderful uh, boyfriend to his girlfriend, a great student. He was the valedictorian of his class, just an all-around great guy. Um, uh, so June 2nd, he gets named Oklahoma Baseball Player of the Year, which is the highest honor you can get as a baseball player in the state of Oklahoma. And then uh, he was talking with the Chicago White Sox. He was going to get drafted in that year's draft. And he uh, had offers from uh, high Division I universities such as Oklahoma or, or Rice. He was leaning towards Rice because he was smart enough that he wanted to go enter their med school program and become a brain surgeon. And so uh, June 3rd, he's driving down I-44, and he has his girlfriend and his best friend in the car and on the other side of the interstate, a tractor trailer, its axle breaks, and it sends a wheel off the, uh, off the back axle, and it comes bounding down the road, and Justin sees it, and it hits his car, and uh, he dies in this fatal accident, leaving uh, his girlfriend and his best friend in the car. They just had scratches, but he, he passed away, and we tell teams the story not to scare them from driving or scare them about, you know, life is gone in an instant, but we know that Justin is in heaven today, because uh, once he passed away, his journal was given to his youth pastor. And his youth pastor opens it up and he sees that all throughout it, every day for six months, from the day he got his journal to the day he passed away, he was there communing, communicating, journaling about his life, his triumphs, his, his downfalls to God. And so we tell this, uh, we use this story as a vessel to uh, then go in and share about the loving, saving uh, love that God has for us and how Jesus died on the cross for our sins and that's why Justin is in heaven today because baseball ends you can go to the MLB you can have a 20-year career it's, it's still gonna end and so we, we ask these teams that we play what are you gonna hang your cleats on at the end of the day because uh, for us and as the team as a whole we want to hang our cleats on Christ we want to put our, our identity and our hope and our faith in Jesus Christ because he is the only one that's gonna last us forever uh, he, he never fails. He never wavers. And so um, uh, we use that story to be able to share the gospel. And we share the gospel after every game with every team we play. And so um, that's why our organization is founded. And uh, so, yeah, we're traveling all over the all over the summer uh, sharing that story. And here I have one of our players, Gus Bloyer, and he's going to share how we use our we can use our uniforms as another tool to evangelize to other teams. Yeah, like you said, my name's uh, Gus Bloyer, and this is my second year with the Oklahoma City Ambassadors. And see, like this jersey, I mean, it's a it's a bright color. We use it as a witnessing tool. I mean, like when we put this on, I mean, everyone notices us, not like so we can draw attraction, but so people ask about us, ask about our jerseys. Um, so as you can see on here, here, our letters and our numbers and stuff, they're, you know, trimmed in black. and we tell that and we say that that represents sin. I mean, we're all sinners. I mean, we came into this world sinners and no one's exempt. We need saving just like everyone else. And so we, we say that represents black. I mean, it represents sin. And uh, then you look at the, the red there and that represents Jesus' blood. I mean, 
the fact that he came down to the earth and died for us and shed his blood and the wrath that was supposed to be given to us for our sin was taken on Jesus on the cross and that represents his blood going to the grave and raising again and giving us new life, new hope and that's what the, the yellow is. It represents heaven. It represents our new hope and, and that someday we're going to go somewhere whether it's hell or heaven and re represents like, you know, the hope that we have in heaven. And um, uh, when I put on this jersey, or when we put on this jersey, I mean, it gives us a sense of pride. I mean, we represent something more than our, just ourselves. We don't represent our number or the name on our back, but the, the name on the front. I mean, living out uh, as ambassadors for Christ and that we represent something more than ourselves. And uh, I'm gonna talk a little bit more about how th this organization has impacted my life. I mean, this summer we're going through 2 Corinthians 5 and it, uh, talks about how we're supposed to be groaned by this world, not a bad complaining groaning, but, you know, that we, we would be afraid that we would get comfortable here on this earth, and that we are, I mean, this home, I mean, this earth is our tent, and we're just here for temporary, and that we're groaning to be in heaven with Christ, and that, you know, when we play baseball, we don't want people to see us, we want to see, when they see straight through us and see Christ, that is enough for us, so thank you. Yeah, thanks guys, I appreciate it, thank you guys for sharing. And uh, I think Boyer is from uh, the Wichita area, Kansas area, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So uh, anyways, these guys are coming from all over. And the reason I wanted them to share is because I think this is just a great demonstration of as we engage the gospel that we all are sent. And so uh, when I think about these young men, uh, they're using their talents, their gifts to be able to use that for the purpose of sharing the gospel. So then my question for us is, what about us? What, what are the gifts and talents that God has given us to be able to use in our circle of influence? What is it that we can do to care for others for the purpose of sharing the gospel, to be intentional with sharing the gospel? And I love that about uh, the Ambassador Baseball Organization, that uh, after every game, uh, you will see them gathered on midfield, and one of the young men are sharing their testimony, and they're telling the other team about Jesus. So we want to beat them really bad and tell them about Jesus. So that's really kind of a, I love uh, the ambassadors, and uh, Cole Cleveland, who is their uh, director, uh, lives right back behind us uh, in this edition. He's a pastor over here at Grace Community Church, but I'm thankful for these guys, and Chris Wall, who started that, and Jim Schrader has been with them from the beginning. I'm just thankful for their calling, their ministry, and what God has for them. And I think about uh, these young men being the age that they are, and uh, I, uh, one of the things that uh, the Lord just continues to put in front of us is um, the privilege that we have to be able to connect with others. There is no way that Emmaus Baptist Church alone is going to be able to to fix the brokenness in our community. There's no way that we alone are going to be able to do that. And we have the privilege to be able to partner with others that can help us to go deeper in connecting with others. And uh, church family, I just want to let you know that we have all kinds of opportunities for us to be able to engage a lost and dying world and be able to partner with others that can help to meet the needs of that. I think about our neighbors with the Children's Home, this Children's Hope program. This whole campus now is single moms and their children. 
It's an incredible program. In fact, our youth are going to be uh, spending time at Camp Engage here the 1st of July uh, with one of the moms who's uh, able to get into a home in Norman. And uh, so tomorrow we've got a plumber. Some of our men are going over to check on this house. And our youth are going to be going over in July to help clean up and get it ready for this mom and her son to be able to move in. And just love the fact of, of being able to, to do that, to engage with the purpose of the gospel. And Jessica has been a part of our Sunday school, uh, one of our Sunday school classes. Uh, and it's been amazing to see how these ladies have just cared for her and she's cared for others and it's just fun to see how God's at work but a reminder of this not only do we think about our neighbors but there is brokenness in our community the phone call that I just got while ago was actually from one of the police officers and more uh, we've been in, trying to engage with uh, trying to meet our homeless a growing homeless need in our community uh, probably about nine months ago uh, Marlene Wood who's at uh, Bank First uh, she uh, said, hey, I just need to let you know there's, they've mentioned this, uh, that there's a growing homeless need. So we've reached out to the police department and uh, Officer Dickinson called a while ago and I, I looked at that. But, but in, the, in, the, in the opportunity to be able to engage with those who are dealing with homelessness, and by the way, I feel like we do good and, and we struggle at the same time, but the whole goal is to be able to tell them about Jesus and here's a note. I'm going to read a note. So the reason I was looking at my phone a while ago is there's a note that a young lady gave one of these homeless men. She gave him a little bit of money, but this note was attached. And I just I want to read it because I think it reminds us of the brokenness that is out there that we can shelter ourselves from here at Emmaus. And this, uh, this young lady actually gives her whole name. She's 17 years old. And she says, um, I struggle with a lot, but I believe that we meet people that will open our eyes. I feel like this has helped me, talking about giving this young man money. I've been uh, going through a lot on my own, fighting many demons. I hope this helps you in some way. I wish for nothing in return besides for you to please pray for me. Pray for uh, there to be an opportunity for me to heal and to become stronger mentally. Be safe and I hope you get where you need. Now, the only reason I wanted to be able to share that with you, I asked Emmanuel, I said, can I take a photo of this? And I want to share it with my church family this Sunday. Because I think it reminds us of the brokenness that is in our community. Emmaus, uh, when I think back to 2009 and we sang God of the City in this building, we want to dedicate it for, this, for the Lord, for us to be able to, to go. We are a sent people. We serve a, a, a missionary God who sends Christ, who sends us and with the gospel message of Jesus Christ and to advance the gospel. And what we see Paul talking about there in, in Philippians, and I was reminded of that this week from uh, Hans Stilbeck, is that when we advance with the gospel, there is going to be resistance. There is gonna, we're going to meet resistance. And we continue to advance with the gospel. And so, just like coming out of a storm shelter with the right kind of shoes on, we're going to advance the gospel, and we're going to have the right kind of shoes on, that we're going to continue to move forward with what God desires for us to do in telling a lost and dying world about Jesus Christ. And I firmly believe that we hold to that model that we find in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that we start with the Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We start with Emmaus, Moore, South Oklahoma City, Norman, and to the ends of the earth, that God has placed us here specifically for the purpose to tell others about him. Church family, I know this, that just as God is a missionary God, that he sent his son, he also sends you and me. He doesn't have the church 
to uh, be able to simply fulfill a mission of sending people out. He has the church because we are all called, we are all sent to be able to serve him. I think about one of our uh, ladies uh, during the pandemic, obviously not wanting to, to get out. Uh, Deanne's here, and uh, we've, talked, we've been working with a food bank. We had teams over at the food bank every week. And uh, uh, Deanne uh, wanted to be able to make calls, so she helped to uh, uh, take care of things from her home, uh, contacting people that needed to be delivered to and all of that. And I'm thankful for that. And so th- with that my mentality, I just want to simply share this. That when I talk about us being sent, it may be something that God has uniquely called you for. And as you hear me or Pastor Owen or other staff talking about as we advance with the gospel, please know this, that we, want, we believe that every one of us are called. And maybe God's using you, God's calling you. And I firmly believe that God is shifting our eyes to right here in front of us as to what uh, the needs are. So as we go into our neighborhood, Carl Dean has done a great job of uh, organizing people to help go into our neighborhood and knock on doors and just simply pray for people and to to encourage them and and all of that. So I think I'm thankful for a church family uh, that uh, uh, is faithful in giving and to know that every dollar we give, that uh, portions of that go to serve missions right here locally and all around the world, but also know this, that people are giving of themselves and of their time to be able to serve the Lord. Church family, I know this, that, uh, that God has called us. And so I want to close our service this morning just simply with something like this. Uh, I went to my first missionary commissioning service a couple of years ago uh, in uh, Dallas, Texas, uh, where they did a sending off minis- uh, uh, ministry uh, a service for those who are going to serve all around the world. And this morning, I'm going to ask us to stand, and uh, I just want to pray. And I want us to pray together that God would send us into our circle of influence with the purpose of the gospel, that we would be intentional with telling others about Christ, that we would be intentional in doing that. And I want to remind you this. Um, you know, this, these flashlights, when we, we talk about exposing people to the Word of God, Dub, it's kind of hard to see when it's shining directly in your eyes. Guys, we're not trying to shove the Bible down. We want to be able to engage people, love them as Christ loved them, and to be able to serve them with the purpose of being able to share the gospel. The light is a great tool, but when you force it into somebody's eyes, it is of no good of, of being able to just cram it into to somebody's eyes. We have the light of the world, and, we, and God has given us that gift to be able to go and to care for our neighbors, to care for our community, and to tell others about him. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you so much for your incredible love. I thank you for this church family. And I pray that uh, each of us would be reminded, as, as we've dealt with things that we've never dealt with before in our lifetime, Uh, dealing with a pandemic. God, I pray that uh, you would help us to be better. God, I pray that uh, the the racial reconciliation that needs to take place in our communities, God, that 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 would take place. Help us to learn to be able to have healthy conversations of of being able to move forward in healthy ways and, and God, seeing you glorified in the midst of everything that takes place. God, I pray that you would help us to, to be able to engage those that are, that are hurting, those who are down and out, and with the, the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, I pray that we would be able to engage those who uh, are um, uh, 
affluent, God, those who have money and, and, and dealing with things. Lord, this is not a socioeconomic uh, a calling. God, you have called us to share the gospel with each and every person that we come into contact with. I pray that you would use our gifts. I pray that you would use our talents, that we would be able to tell others about you. And I thank you for the faithfulness of Emmaus. And may we be obedient in following through with what you've already called us to do, that we would live sent. We love you, and it's in your holy name we pray. Amen. God bless you, Emmaus. You're dismissed.